Buffalo Breeder. Hi, Robert. Well, I want to thank John for asking me to speak tonight. I am not from this area, and uh, I actually, I'm an American, but I live in Germany, and I travel with an iPod filled with 80 hours of shares from this meeting. And, um, well, first of all, I want to ask for my, my photos so people will know that I really belong here. Um, and, and it's really interesting because I live in the boonies, in the OA boonies. Um, I tell a lot of people about these meetings to get experience, strength, and hope. And when um, they hear some of this stuff, they say, wow, is that great? And secondly, oh, isn't it terrible that I don't live there where all these people with all this recovery is with this idea that, like, maybe this is the only place that OA can actually work. And so when John asked me to share, I said, isn't it great that I can talk about getting recovery in the boonies? That, that um, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in Los Angeles for this program to work. So I never like to, I mean, this is the first time I'm doing your share, really, because it's usually this long, so it's great. But when I, when I do share, I don't like to talk a lot about the way it was, because I did all the stuff everyone else did, you know, frozen food. I, I tried to kill myself. I almost killed myself saving a peanut, peanut M&M in the car. You know, all, all of that stuff. My, my top weight was uh, 345 pounds. Um, I didn't. I was not at my highest weight when I came to OA. When I came to OA, I was over 300, but didn't look anymore, so I don't really know. Um, and the only thing that I think is really different about my story is that some people who were that morbidly obese never could get close to the brass ring on the carousel of getting to normal weight, but that wasn't my story. My story was that I was, I was able over the years to replace compulsively overeating the foods I really wanted to eat with forcing myself to just compulsively overeat diet foods. And if I could do that, I could, because I had, you know, I was young and had the metabolism of a hummingbird, I could, I could get close to a normal weight. And I had the sort of situation where twice in my life before I came to OA, I was able to compulsively overeat diet food down to close to a normal weight and stay there for about, you know, people laugh about this literally, but literally for me it was five minutes. Because the minute I got close, I mean, I didn't know that at the time, but I know now that I was not capable of living life the way it was without my drug. So I started right away with the cycle of binging, starving, binging, starving. There were more binging days than starving days, and my weight went right back up. So for me it was to get so close to looking normal, to almost thinking, you know, getting the thing, and it was just impossible. And, you know, I went back up. So um, what I think is really important because, you know, I've been, I've been in a way now, it'll be 13 years in April, and I've been in within a normal weight range now for 10 and a half years, that it's more important to talk about that than the binging stories, because everybody's got the binging stories. You know, how did, how did this happen to me? Well, you know, um, there's, I think, it's 50%, I, I'm not a traditionally religious person, it, but it's 50% grace and 50% sweat. And the 50% grace... I talk about a lot because when when people, you know, want to know how did you do it, I think sometimes that I get the feeling that they want to hear like, well, I do these steps in this order and I do these tools, that I can come up with some sort of scientific 
formula of steps and tools that I can give you and you'll get the same thing too. But in reality, I don't have the faintest idea how this grace happened. What I do know what happened was is that um, I, the night before my first OA meeting in 1994, I went to a meeting of another 12-step program. Now, mind you, I was sitting, I grew up in Queens, New York, where in the early 70s, OA was there. You know, and I actually went, you know, my mother, my mother forced me to go to the Weight Watchers meeting, which was on the same floor in Forest Hills as the OA meeting. But I didn't know about OA, I didn't want to hear about OA. Um, and what was interesting, on the night before I got to OA, I was, I'm, I was living in Germany, I still am now, and I was in Frankfurt at a meeting of another 12-step group, and I was sitting there, and the first, and, I, and this is about what it says in the big book, that when you come here, the intuition starts to work again. The first intuitive thought that I had at this other meeting, I was sitting there and went through my brain, oh shit, you're a compulsive overreader too and you have to go to OA. That was the first thought I had. Now, um, so I looked, you know, I looked in, I asked somebody in the meetings because in Germany the 12th step thing is all, lots of people know each other and they told me about an OA meeting the next night. And I was living about 45 minutes from Frankfurt by car. And I went the next night to an OA meeting, which was a big book meeting. And I always had to talk about, because in Germany, everything is translated from the English. And, you know, the German compulsive complicators love to always complain about how, well, we didn't get the translation exactly right. And, and I always say, well, you know, I got abstinent into a normal weight on the wrong translation of the 12 steps. <laughs>
willing to try to do that. I was willing from the first day to have the concept that compulsive overeating was going to have to leave my life, even though I didn't know how that was going to happen. And then the third thing I heard was the thing about the three modern meals. And I was just sitting there, and I just got this feeling in my gut that said, I can do that. I was 
of weight. And I don't, what I want to see is just in the overall is that I found the inner guide that I know is connected to higher power for me, this inner voice, this inner guide, this inner vibration led me through what I needed to be led through in order to abstain the way I do today, which is totally different. I had to eat enough pizza that it was no longer food that my mother was going to scream at me for. And I remember after five months, I wanted a salad. I never know what it was like to want anything green. Only I knew what it was like to have to eat because I was fat. Or people tell me to eat more. But so, so this, this thing happened to me. And um, as, a, as a side note, I don't abstain that way today. I'm 50 years old. I abstain very differently the way at 50. And I'll talk about that later, about uh, I had a weight gain and abstinence, and I had to surrender to an age-appropriate plan of eating, which, you know, is very different than what I started with. But what I want to say is, is that the steps of the program, and I'll talk about how I worked the steps at the beginning, the steps of the program opened up a world for me which gave me intuitive messages to have to pursue other avenues with OA and the 12 steps to find my recovery. But I, I don't like to talk so much about that because if it wasn't for the snowball effect of the steps, I wouldn't have found those other things anywhere. If I would have found them, they wouldn't have helped me. So, you know, if I can talk about, you know, the therapy, I will talk some about the sexual issues and how that was all involved in my homosexuality and how that was involved with my needing to be 340 pounds, my shame about my sexuality and all of that. But the thing is, is that the steps were the key to finding the higher power of my understanding that gave me the intuition of how to get the help I needed to get, whether it was with my food, with my emotions, with my spirituality. And I'm one of these people, my experience is not, um, my experience is not one of these, how can I explain this? I do not, I, I do not, feel that my inner voice is something that is sick and perverted and I need your inner voice to tell me how to work my program. And there are many people I know who feel they live like on a minefield and that's how they see their inner voice. If they move one millimeter left or right, they're going to hit a landmine and blow up. And I feel that I, I am the poster boy for that if you really, really trust what the steps tell you, and really trust that each one of us has a higher power, that if you listen carefully and can connect through prayer and meditation and working these steps to that inner guide, each person is capable of finding the path that will bring them to health and recovery. And that is my experience. I never connected with a sponsor who said, I'm your higher power, I will tell you how to eat, I will tell you how to live, I will tell you how to do all of this stuff. I connected with people who taught me how to work the steps, and it said, I'm not a big book, I'm not a big book quoter, there are things in the big book that really move me, that I use, but I, I know them, um, I know them intuitively, not the, the actual words, and one of them was that when you start working the steps, your intuition starts to work, and that's what happened to me, so I got, well, I was working, you know, I was listening to people who did stuff in sort of the old AA way, so 
they said, step one. I'm a compulsive eater and my life is messed up. Knew that. Step two. Do I believe that something else can help me with this problem? That's why I'm here. Step three. Are you, with me? Are you going to make a decision to let this thing help you? Yes. I'm going to make the decision. Okay. You start with step four. And that was the way I learned it. And I was, I was writing my first four step within um, three days of entering program. And I didn't think, was I scared to do it? Was I not scared to do it? So I worked all the steps. And what happened to me was really what it says in the book. By working the steps of this program, I was given the gift of a personality that does not need compulsive overeating to get through life. I experienced in my life that spiritual and emotional shift that the guy who went to see Dr. Jung what Dr. Jung talked about in the book, that said, this is the only thing that can help you. And I was given this gift. But the gift came through simply working the steps. Now, the steps that, I think probably different people get different things from different steps, but the steps that really changed my life were, first of all, I ended up writing a fourth and a fifth, and as I gave away the fifth of the first fourth, stuff came up that I realized I'd forgotten. And I went back and did a fourth. So I actually did one to three the way I just told you. And four to seven in like a cycle of two or three times, very close next to each other. Based upon other stuff coming up, I didn't purposely lie about anything. Stuff came up. And my third, fourth, and fifth cycle, I was at a OA uh, retreat in Germany up in the mountains, which they don't have anymore, um, which was specifically there to write a fourth and fifth step. And I got, again, the intuitive information that I needed to write my sex secrets inventory, the sex part of the inventory. Now, I, again, I was sort of that person who had all of their weight between their clavicle and their knees. And I had this huge thing around my secondary, around my, my genitals, where it was, it was very cold. There was no energy flowing through any of this. And I didn't know, you know, it's funny, you can go to a psychologist and they'll say, well, we know why you're like this. But the thing that happened for me was, by working, by writing this sexual shame and secret inventory, and at this, at this workshop, we picked the names of our fifth, of our fifth step out of a basket. Now, it happened that about 32 of us were there, four, uh, four people refused to do that. They had picked their people, but the rest, and what did I get? I am a, I'm in Germany, I am a um, gay New Yorker, and a gay Jewish New Yorker, and I get a 50-year-old, devoutly Catholic, married, heterosexual guy to do this with. <laughs>
discovery. I now can be honest about who I am sexually. I can be free. Um, the hanging skin doesn't bother me anymore. It's replaced now by old skin. It's very funny because it's been all those years. Oh my God, this is hanging here. This is, you know, it goes away because it then gets it then gets dry and old, and then you worry about, oh my God, I have old skin. Debts are mine. And I was alone 
was like from 1974, 1975, it was, it was $3,000, then it was almost $10,000 by the time I started to pay it in 1994. I paid every darn penny back. And um, my life changed. My life absolutely changed. What I find interesting is the people who knew me before, you know, we always talk about our 12th step. Um, no one has the slightest interest in knowing what happened to me. They run. <laughs> you know, because it's not like, protein shakes, whatever. They, they know that something changed in my inner being. No one has ever asked me, Robert, what did you do? They ignored it. It was perfectly fine. I was 300 plus pounds. Now I'm not. I've been that way. Like, oh, it's all just the way it always was. And I think that's true. But see, for me, it only gives me this incredible sense of gratitude that I was able to hear what I heard in here. And I was willing to do what they told me to do. And that was really interesting because I always think it's very funny when we talk about sponsors. They find somebody who has what you want now and how they got it. But we don't see the third thing, which is want to get what they got. You know, I always think that's amazing because I think we don't see it because it's absolutely clear. That's the point. If you find somebody who has what you want, you ask them what they did, you're supposed to do what they did so you can get what they got. Mm-hmm. And not them force you to do what they did, but you have to do it because you want to do it. And I, I did want to do it. So, well, this is great because I can really, I can really tell all the stuff. So,
and I got below that weight where instead of the emotions going in and out, they came in, they went through my body, I felt stuff, and they vibrated inside of me. Now, this was a very important point in my recovery because learning how to just feel feelings and allow them to be in my body and just let it happen is one of the major skills I've learned to actually stay absent over long term. It's really it's a muscle that I had to learn how to use that I just never used before. But what happened was my body had to get below a certain number for these things to start happening. I'll never forget the first time when I felt a energy connection between my knees and my clavicle. I think I was I went roller skating or something with friends and all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, there's not just this, the great the great unknown and from the knees down. There was a whole body that had a connection. And as I started feeling that, all of the stuff about the, the, the problems of my sexuality and not being able to look at my body and hating what I saw and the body dysmorphia that is still there sometimes, all of that stuff, it was like, oh my God, I'm stealing things. And, and what I think, what this program did for me was gave me the knowledge slowly and gave me the tools to deal with it. Because there's so, there was such a big knot that had to be untangled, knot by knot, in order to be able to live as a normal-sized person in a normal body. And this program was very gentle to me. gave me um, the information that I needed and the intuitive knowledge how to solve these things in a very, on a very gentle, loving schedule. And I always tell people, you know, I have quite a few sponsors, I say, sponsors, I say this is, it's now almost 13 years. Please, don't look at me and think this is what you get after six months. It's a huge journey, sometimes very troubling, sometimes very frustrating, in the long run, very beautiful and very rewarding, but I never, ever, this is the result of of lots of time and lots of stuff. Don't try and be there now. Where you are now is just okay. It's absolutely fine where you are. Um, After I I was abstaining on, so I had basically a nothing between moderate planned meals, no food restrictions, and I lived that way for eight or nine years. Had this body, everything was fine, no, no, no feelings about physical allergy, no feelings about mental obsession. Well, I turned about 45 and started having hot flashes. Man, I really started having huge, uh, huge hormone problems, hot flashes.
over the course of three years, I put on about 22, 23 pounds over the course of three years. And I had my away crisis. I hated away. I hated my higher power. I said, you gave me something that worked. How could you take this away from me? Because my, and, and the thing was, my food plan stopped working. And I didn't want to know it. I didn't want to know it. And um, I had to go through two years of real big. Okay, here's the thing. Now that I look back at it, inside, in that level that I call my inner guide that drives my recovery, and he's down here somewhere, I knew right at the very beginning that, that I had to, that I was no longer abstaining with an age-appropriate abstinence. Food plan. Age-appropriate plan of eating. But I didn't want to hear it. Maybe too angry. So, um, after about two and a half years, my sponsor, my OA sponsor, came to visit me. She lives in, 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 in British Columbia, and she came and visited me in Germany, and she was in relapse. And I put on a huge amount of weight. And the day I saw her, something changed. And I was able, because the way it was for me is the following. My, my experience was is that I can have different physical results from different plans of eating all within abstinence. If I'm abstaining, I had a plan of eating, abstaining from compulsive reading that gave me a body weight that was about 22, 23 pounds heavier than I am now. I was abstaining honestly and to the best of my ability. I had to, I had to think about whether I was going to include outside issues. Issues of nutrition, metabolism, age, and was I, what did I, was I willing to surrender to, a, to an age-appropriate plan of eating that would give me a slender, normal body at 50? And I was willing, after two years of fighting, I fought for two years, and I was willing to do it. And I now have a completely different plan of eating. I'm now the no flour, no sugar guy. Uh, so I'm, I'm a poster child for both sides. Eight or nine years of, of, of moderate kneeling, and now I'm a no flour, no sugar with very, with some very strong restrictions based upon my personal um, bodily needs. And they're all outside issues as far as I'm concerned. Um, and uh, so after about a year of one day at a time in this new food plan, I got back the body that I started with. took about a year. So, I have five minutes. I'll just, what's it like today? When I came into OA to not be fat anymore, <laughs> I found out that the only way to not be fat on a permanent basis was to experience the spiritual and emotional shift given to you by the steps. There was no other way. If there was any way, I would have done it, but I knew that that was the only way that it could happen. So, but, but after, you know, I got to this weight of 1990, you know, the summer of 1995, and we're now in 2007. So, um, you know, what happens after the party's over? You know, if everybody says, oh, you look great. Well, what happens is, is the real recovery starts. And I, and what my life is like today, I've been blessed with... 
God that I'm being fat was because of my problems. My higher power gave me a normal weight within 14 months of being And then I had to live the rest of my life. And my life today is, is that I can wake up most mornings feeling grateful, absolutely grateful for my life, for all the wonderful things that I have in my life, a career that I love. I can be in California in the winter. On a job, they're paying me to be here. <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's 70 degrees today, and they're freezing their butts off back in Germany. I mean, and, you know, and I, I, have, I have financial health. I have, and what I have more than anything else, I have the ability to accept things I cannot change. And this, this serenity prayer has become my mantra, my mantra for daily living. Because there's so many things that I don't want to accept.
information. And I'll, I'm going to say, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, now I don't know the difference between the confidence of my crazy head. You know, the thing is, I do. Because the voice of the crazy head comes from a totally different spot in my body than the God-guided voice. It has a different color of voice. It has a different tone, uh, tone quality. It speaks to me totally differently. And so I, I can keep those two things separated. And, um, but for me, it's most the crazy voice speaks here, and the God voice speaks here. It speaks really low and doesn't always necessarily use inner words. Sometimes we'll just, I'll feel like I'm being driven from, my, from you know, right below my belly button. And, you know, I just am so grateful. It's, it's such an incredible gift that I can walk through life as a normal-sized human being and have this thing. And um, I work very hard to get it, but the, the, the foundation is a gift. And um, gift of this program. And I thank you for letting me share. And um, 